0: You are listening to the Luke Turner Podcast.
1: Join Luke as he talks about his journey to have a journey to talk about. The Luke Turner Podcast, rated five stars in Schmuck Weekly Magazine. Ha! <laughs> Just kidding, that's not me, that's a drill. How are you going? It's Luke. Good to see you, or uh, good to talk to you again. It's Luke, I'm on the podcast, my Luke Turner podcast, it's me. I'm talking, it's my podcast, I say whatever I want. I can drill in an intro, no one can do anything about it. You have to listen. Well, you don't have to listen, but if you stop listening, then you won't hear it. So, there's that. This episode was with... Daniel Scarrett, who I've had on before, he's a lovely fella, and I wanted to talk to him about a few things, but in particular, the chess cheating scandal, so we do give a little bit of background, but just in case you don't know, the biggest chess player in the world, the number one, Magnus Carlsen, he played a game against a lower rated player, but still quite a competent player, Hans Niemann, and Mr. Niemann won the match, And this was very unexpected and a huge upset. And Magnus Carlsen actually left the tournament. And he was accused of cheating, Mr. Neiman. Uh, And it gets really spicy and really interesting. So I was glad to talk to Daniel about that. And I also wanted to give a plug for Daniel and his band Dracula 5000. They're playing at True Romance in Newtown on the 29th of October. So if you're hearing this, hopefully there's still time. Unless you're going back to the archives, in which case, thank you, I appreciate you, you're awesome, and I love you. And if you're listening to it in the current time, that's also fine. I still love you. Unconditional love is what I'm giving to my listeners. So, without further ado, please enjoy Daniel Scarrett. Alright, so, Daniel just informed me that he's partaking in Weird Our Month, Yeah. which I wasn't aware of until just now. Yeah. So, do you want to tell us what that is?
0: So, yeah, it's just like... One of my good friends is a really big Weird Al fan. And then a little while ago, we found out that there's going to be this, um, yeah, this Weird Al, I guess, biopic. It's not really a biopic, but essentially it's like a parody of a biopic, which is why it's incredible that it's Weird Al, right? So it's like a, mo- a movie that's about Weird Al's career, but most of it's not true. Uh, and Daniel Radcliffe plays Weird Al in the movie. And Weird Al plays, like, some producer guy. And Rain Wilson plays, like, this manager character who yes. wears, like, a top hat. Uh, who, cool. Who's, like, not a real person. There's all this stuff in the movie that's just, like, not real. Like, mm-hmm. that Weird Al had, like, a romance with Madonna and shit. It's just not true. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so it's, like, a fake uh, okay. biopic that's, like, you know, really... In the style of, like, a really serious biopic. But it's about Weird Al, who's, like, the silliest musician ever. Yeah. Anyway, so my friend is a huge Weird Al fan. And he's like, "Well, do you want to do Weird Al month with me?" So up until the release of the movie, you're only allowed to listen to Weird Al. Mm. Like, you got to try as much as possible to that be the only music you consume. Wow. And um, and honestly, it's been half a month, a couple of weeks in. Surprisingly, it's not actually that difficult. It's very interesting, actually, because you know, big he's, discography. He's been releasing music since the late seventies. And so, like his actual every album that he releases, like weirdly, is like it's like a little time capsule. Yeah. Um, of the of the the decade, or, or even just like the With last all like the cultural years.
1: references and yeah, the, the music that he's
0: parodying, like totally. what was popular at that time. Yeah, and then he always does, um, he always does like like a polka. Yeah, I you love know? the polka ones. He'd, he'd do those. Yeah. It's like a medley, and and yeah, and that's like a time capsule every Perfect. single time because it's always polka. Music, but he'll go through like so many charting songs from that time period at once. They're like
1: micro covers of the hook of like whatever that song is. Exactly. There's like 20 of them.
0: And it's all like accordion and stuff. Yeah. And that's the other thing that's crazy is just like realizing how much Weird Al shreds accordion like he's so good yeah he's such a good musician it's yeah. nuts and apparently he's yeah. i've never seen him live but everyone who i know who has is like oh the live I band is insane yeah but yeah so anyway it's been pretty easy like because you just like what decade do i want to listen to yeah go have a listen to it and then he even like you know he does a lot of like pastiche stuff as well where it's like what's that so it's not like a direct cover but it's like i'm making fun of this band yeah like he will have like a song that's like oh this is like it's basically a foo fighters song Okay. but it yep. is in the cover of a fusa uh, but he, he has one that's like really good it's like nine minutes long and he released it in um poodle hat which is like one yep. of his early classic yeah like his early 2000s one I think it's the one that has um uh, no it's not the one with white and nerdy I'm pretty sure it's like no, that's straight out of Linwood. It's the one that has yeah, it's the one that has eBay on it. You know, yeah, like yep, yeah. Yep. So on that, literally on that album, there's this nine-minute song that's like a Frank Zappa song that he's made called yep. Genius in France. It's it's so yeah, it's it's like peak Frank Zappa. But it's just like a weird Al song on that album. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Like you, you never hear. I think like a lot of people are exposed to the best of music mm-hmm. of Weird Al, like on his like compilation albums or like his music videos. Yeah. More recently. Yeah. But yeah, like he's got just so much shit. It's crazy. Okay.
1: So you're finding like a, quite a, like a fair amount of diversity in his music. I I I think that makes sense. I've been listening to Weird Al for like quite a while uh, since I was a kid. Mm.
0: Um, I love him. Yeah, Dude, he's, he's awesome. the best. I had this like so good growing up. I had this like DVD of just, like, a collection of his music videos. I think I was probably, like, eight or nine years old. And I feel like that was pretty influential. Like, I was just, like, getting into music and getting into comedy and stuff. And that was such a great uh, example. I was having this conversation the other day as well. Like, he's got so many, like... He's such an amazing... um, Because he's essentially a comedian and he's been making art since it was, yeah, the late 70s. He actually, like... Considering that, like, he pretty much has... He's squeaky clean. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's, he's a really wholesome guy. Yeah, like, I, I, I guess you Doesn't could argue... Swear. You could argue that, like... Maybe you could argue that the song Fat it couldn't be released today. Yep. All right? But it's that's pretty probably much the just, most
1: borderline one.
0: Yeah, and it's just, like, dad jokes about... It's, like, dad-level fat jokes. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's, right. it's certainly not, like, a very taking a big stance or, or anything like that. No, that's, no. A, and that's the only thing that's even slightly borderline. And he's been making music since I feel like, you even know, that one comedy is, music since it the would 70s. be
1: hard to say he's fat shaming or anything like that. It's more, I, I'm pretending that I'm a fat person. Yeah. But yeah. I guess it is saying like that, that's, that's funny. It, yeah. Fat, it, it, it implies that it's funny and yeah. it's
0: very goofy and you know, it does have a lot of really, really funny, like one liner jokes. jokes, yeah. but I'm just like, man, could you release this today? I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah, but honestly, the fact that that's the only thing you can really find on him is pretty mm. insane, to be honest. Like, everything else is so, like, non-mean-spirited. You know like
1: one song that maybe didn't age well is Don't Download This Song. Do you know that one? It's oh, from, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's straight out of Linwood, where he's talking about Napster. Oh, that's and, right. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And I, I remember even at the time, I was like, this doesn't feel right. Like, maybe the sentiment at the time was, like, Really against downloading stuff, and it was before streaming too. Mm, yeah, true. So it was kind of in this midpoint where it was like, fuck Metallica, you know, they don't need another private jet, you know, like yeah. why are they complaining about people downloading stuff on Napster?
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. It is pretty interesting because it's like, yeah, I mean, Weird Al, does he take private jets? Maybe he doesn't. I need to do my research. Yeah. I'm like, does he, has he like become. Uh, like that he's huge he's, he is he's, huge he's, but
1: ma- yeah I, I could i could say that maybe at uh, maybe at that point i could imagine in him. middle point i could imagine him keeping it real as yeah. well so yeah. i don't
0: know yeah it's a good question that's a good question because that song like
1: it, there's some <laughs> funny lines in it but i feel like it's a real like message of like hey guys don't download my music
0: yeah yeah which is a bit like uh come on I yeah mean, yeah you know but, but yeah different financial model yeah yeah. Uh, it's true It it's was a, a different semester. time I sure. remember there being songs that aged really badly But it's more just because it's like I don't know Like he has this song called It's all about the Pentiums And oh. it's just like talking about like computer Jesus. shit And it's just like god damn this doesn't age It's like nobody knows what any of this stuff Nobody <laughs> knew what this stuff was back when he released it Because it was too high tech And that was the joke But now it's like so low tech that yeah. it, You know what I mean It it's just feels completely missed the mark. It totally feels wrong But yeah no Honestly he has so much stuff that holds up I was listening to a song on the way here when I was on the bus and then walking, which is like, you just, I was just like, let's go to the 1984 album yep. and just listening to some of the songs that are on there and being like, wow, as a person who wasn't around in that decade, it's crazy to me, like the song, the music that was all considered popular at the time. I had this weird moment where like, I, you know, yesterday I was listening to Straight Outta Linwood, I think. Um, or even mandatory fun. Like that's a great yep. example. Cause that's a really recent one or, mm-hmm. you know, it's the more recent one and you listen to it and you're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Or, I remember, you know, a few years ago when all of these songs were the ones that were in the charts and then you go listen yep. to one from like 1974 and you listen to all these songs and you're like, God, these are all like hit songs that I know about, but like I'm fully immersed in the idea that like you could have been a person and these songs were all coming out at the same time like stuff that you don't necessarily like really widely different genres where you're like, Oh, he's like referencing smoke on the water by deep purple. Right. But then he's also referencing like a sting song. And I'm like, yeah, I guess those were really close. Like the Mm. late seventies and the early eighties were like a five year period. It'd be like how, like there's been more time between, uh, now. And when my chemical romance released, uh, welcome to the black parade. There's been more time between that and and now and then then there has been between like Sting releasing like King of Pain and uh yeah and Smoke on the Water by Deep Purple coming out I, I would consider those to be like well those are different like things different yeah. eras eras of music but it's like well they are not actually but that album came at
1: a pivotal time where they were still both relevant as well yeah, yeah like right. late 70s right.
0: and emerging 80s stuff mm. yeah it was mm. super weird but it's just like oh you know we think of those periods as very separate you know, wow, the, the 80s was like this and the 70s was like this. But just to be, like, reminded that there was a time where you were just, like, surrounded by all that stuff and all it was still period. relevant. Yeah. And he
1: was commenting on it the whole time.
0: And just also the kind of music that was in the charts. Mm. Like, rock bands had charting music. Mm. And, like, that's mm. not the case. Like, he doesn't really no. have much... Like rock music in his albums anymore because it's not like it's yeah, a lot of pop ki- covers. What right? kind
1: of stuff is on the most recent? I haven't really heard. It. It's like, is it pop music and like maybe rap and stuff? Yeah, or yeah, yeah,
0: totally. Like, hip-hop? yeah, totally. It's just like you know regular chart stuff. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't done anything super super modern. Like, I haven't heard yeah. him do like any covers of like I don't know like Post Malone songs or anything like that. I, but I'm I like, is like it, it? But this is the thing. Like, you think like, well, he wouldn't. But then he's done. But everything. he's done everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's
1: that's a good point.
0: Yeah, I don't think he would be you know, opposed. Like mm-hmm. I could imagine a weird cover of sunflower, the yeah. song that they put into, into uh, spider verse. Right. Yeah. Right. I could imagine that, but it's like, what would he do with it? I don't know.
1: Yeah. Like I guess with the mumble rap and stuff like that, it's like, it's hard to parody because mm. there's not a lot of like substantial lyrical content in the first place.
0: Yeah, that's true. Let's see. Then he could do a, you know, a, sm- a smells like nirvana where he just like the comment is on how you can't understand the lyrics yeah that's true, that's true i guess he's already done it yeah, yeah i don't know this is the thing like you just you don't know what he's gonna do next he is yeah. always on the cutting edge like the thing that's been really interesting about it the whole exercise has been like shit like this guy has been like on it he knew he's been was integrating that? with popular music for decades Mm. for like five decades. Yeah. Right. And like, he's like as much of a chameleon as Madonna is like, Mm. he always fits. He's always releasing shit. Every generation of people knows weird Al. He's always covering songs that they know. It's like, it's actually insane. Like he's such a, um, and he's so unique in that he's like pretty much Mm. the only guy who does it. It's been, it's been interesting. Like
1: I'm sure there's other parody artists, but no one knows them. Right. Like it's just like, he's the guy who's always done it and he does it in such a, I don't know. He just, it's so much polish to it. Yeah. It's just, it feels so good. Like, have you, have you found it difficult either through almost accidentally listening to other music
0: or, uh, just getting sick of it? I haven't gotten sick of it. I think like the hardest part is like it, you can't purely do it. Like for me, it's tough because like I'm in a band, for example, and we have to rehearse. And so it's like, well, I've listened to my own band's music. Yeah. So I'm trying to be a little bit You can't like, avoid that. I'm doing my best, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But like uh, you know, if I go to an office or whatever, they buy me music playing in the background, I'll I'll just try and put my headphones on and listen right. to Weird Al instead. You know, kind of but yeah, but honestly like It
1: almost feels like you just have this weird obsession with it. Like if there was <laughs> no Weird Al, Martha's just like, Oh, I hate
0: all other music. I'm yeah, still I just don't listen to weird owl. Al well, well, I have found myself like um, yeah, like I was listening to King of Suede on the way here, which is a cover of the Sting song King of Pain, right? Okay. Which is a cool song, but I've always found the lyrics to King of Pain really cringe, right? Like it's so—it's very like for a song that was released in the '80s, it's so like, uh, yeah, it's pretty soft boy. Like, oh man, I'm so much, I'm, I'm, nobody yeah. suffers like me kind yep. of thing. And, but yep. I love the music, but I think the lyrics are cringe. Yeah. You know, his, his lyrics and his version are about like a guy who sells all kinds of fabrics at like this warehouse. And I'm like, even though the lyrics are dumb, at least they're meant to be dumb. I actually kind yeah. of enjoy this more. <laughs> I actually feel less cringe listening to this.
1: Because he, he's adopted the cringe to something that it's inherently ironic. It's so like, it's, point, it's the fine. point of
0: his one is that it's, is that it's supposed to be bad or, yep. or like, yep. or supposed to be like silly. Yeah. Whereas I think that the Sting lyrics are genuinely silly, yeah. but he meant for them to be really meaningful. That's, yeah. So in some cases, I'm actually like, oh, I actually probably would just keep listening to this version. Yeah. just And in some cases, the mixes are better. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Like, yeah, it's super interesting. He's
1: probably like rethought it and, you know, like listened to those original songs so many times and, you know, tied up a lot of inconsistencies and, and had a, a better mix and better recording and stuff yeah. like that. Like, cause he has the... The clarity of being able to look back at that song and mm. kind of redo it in a way, even
0: if it's only like a couple of years later yeah. that he records his cover, it's yeah. like it's still the jury's out on the song. People have decided what they like about it, what they don't like about it. Critic critics have said things. You know, maybe yeah. that's I don't know. I would, that's something that would be amazing to ask him. Like, have you? How much do you take that into consideration, or does he just have a sound like guy? the
1: the cultural context surrounding how people receive the song? Yeah, and
0: like, do yeah. you adjust the mix? Right. Based on, like, do people think that that album you're covering the song from had, like, shit drum sound? Yeah. Do you fix the drum sound? Yeah. Like, or do you try and do it as... Yeah. Man, I would have so many questions for women. Because there could
1: be some songs that have, you know, a quote-unquote shit mix, but it's kind of part of that sound as well. So, in order to capture that, you might need to replicate that.
0: Totally. Yeah, yeah. So, I think that there's a little bit more to it than just, like, he tries to strictly cover every song as perfectly as possible. I think he does. Mm. Like, he needs to capture... It needs to be like, whoa, this is this is a cover of the All song. All the cadences of the lyrics are like quite similar. He hits and a lot, he uses hits a lot like, of the same marks. He's never going to like take a song with like a synthesizer in it and use a completely different yeah, sound. Yeah, because people like, need to recognize it straight away. Exactly. It needs to be like, oh, this is that song. But mm. I can't help but feel like he takes little liberties mm. to make it more, you know, to, I don't know, to adjust it, yeah. to make it slightly more to his liking or yeah. whatever, just in terms of like, oh, the mix could be better. or I don't know. Or maybe he's just got someone on his team that's like, we could improve this yeah. or something. Yeah.
1: yeah. I'm sure he probably has a, a parody producer of, of some sort.
0: Totally. Yeah. But I will say that I there I do miss – there's music that I miss that he just doesn't cover. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the only prog music I can listen to is that, is that Frank Zappa song that he's done. Oh, right. You know, it's pretty much the only thing in his discography that even comes close to being like – because normally I'll listen to a variety of stuff, but I'm yeah. a big fan of like – you know, brain tickling, yeah, like complicated prog rock, prog metal. rhythms. And yep. you know, I like I like lots of polyphony and stuff. Yeah. And every now and then I've had like yeah, there's things where I'm like, ah, oh, I really want to listen to this thing. Uh, and I can't. Like yeah. I went to see <laughs> before I started Weird Al Month. like it's such a funny s- self imposed dude. Person. Like the day before I started, I went to see Eskimo Joe at the Enmore. And they were doing like uh, a Song is a City and Black Fingernails Red Wine. they literally like, we're just going to play these two albums. Which yeah. Love those albums. And I went and saw them and they told all these stories about how they recorded the music and like what it was like at the time. And Oh yeah, we had the studio in Fremantle and we came up with this song because of this thing and we listened to Roy Orbison at the time. And it's super interesting like to hear these guys talk about like how they recorded this music that, that became like iconic and an iconic part of like my teenage years and stuff. Mm. When I started playing music, we were like covering Eskimo Joe songs, right? Cool, yeah. But like, And then they played the song at the end, which wasn't from one of those albums. And I was, it's called Foreign Land. And I was like, fuck, this song goes off live. And then the next day I was like, God, I want to listen to those songs. But I can't. Uh, <laughs> like, it's, that was day um, one. They made me so interested in re-listening to those albums. And I'm just like, oh, well, I guess I'll wait. I'm, so that's, <laughs> I still feel this way. That's the first now. thing on
1: your to-do list. <laughs>
0: yeah, I guess, is go back and have a listen to some Eskimo Joe. And that's then, interesting. Yeah, man. it's super funny. Yeah, I had a, a somewhat similar
1: feeling when I did a meditation retreat. It was like 10-day meditation retreat oh, where the silent thing and you can't read or write and obviously no phones and stuff and a lot of it, like, I was just craving listening to music, man. Like, a specific artists, I was like, I, I need this in my ears and I, like, can't have it. Damn. And it was interesting after that, having no st- stimulus for 10 days mm. and then listening to music again, it was, like, it was on HD. It was, mm. like,
0: really crisp, you know. Dude, that sounds so interesting. Yeah. Like, even just for the other – the separate reason of, like, yeah, what is it like to just not have – Um, to have your brain just be the thing that generates all of your stuff, like to not have any stimuli that Mm. you can just like lean on, Mm. because where was that? Where'd you go? So that's in the
1: Blue Mountains. Oh shit! Okay, it's a Vipassana meditation retreat. Um, I've done it twice. I've done two 10 ten-day retreats and then one two-day retreat. Sweet. Um, it's yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. It's I learned a lot. Mm. Um, but it was really quite difficult. I think a, a lot of the time, I just had so many thoughts of like, oh man, like. I kind of wish I wasn't here. Yeah. It's like in each moment, it was fine. But yeah. just as the context of like, holy shit, I've got to be here for 10 days. Like, yeah. And I'm not talking to anyone. I can't like offload this. I can't vent to anyone. You about can't talk to it. anybody? No, you can't talk. So what, what are the rules? So you can't talk to anyone. You can't – you're not supposed to make eye contact with people. So there's 50 men and 50 women on each retreat and they're separate. And you try to – act as if you're essentially a monk. So you only get the food that you're given. You don't bring any food. It's all just by donation. Um, you meditate for between eight and 10 hours a day. Um, what And what's like, what is defined meditate in that context? So they have a style of meditation. It's called Vipassana meditation, which is like uh, insight or clarity. Uh, and so the first three days are kind of focusing just on, your nose and the breathing through your nose. Mm. Uh, And then from then on, it's a full body scan. Um, So from your head to your feet and Mm. just like up and down um, with the intention of developing a very, very deep level of insight as to what's physiologically happening in your body Mm. and then the emotional reactions that are happening as a result of that physiology. Interesting. Uh, And you sort of train your non-reaction or your um, equanimity and so when a negative feeling comes up or a negative thought comes up, uh, you know, you kind of just observe it and, and let it dissipate mm. as is the kind of um, the intention of most modern mindfulness, even in totally, you know, yeah. headspace apps and stuff like that. But mm. I guess it's just a very, very deep version of
0: that. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Does it f- like, cause it's, 10 hours a day of like Mm -hmm. do you have to be in the one spot or are you like walking around in nature or are you just like sitting down thinking about breathing is it one stint like how does it work so
1: you in the morning they wake up at 4am with a bell uh, (laughs) which is not not pleasant Uh, and then you go to the hall and meditate for one or two hours uh, and 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 that's in the hall with everyone Mm. and then you go have breakfast you have a little bit of a break and you're kind of just in your room and then everyone meditates together for an hour Mm. and then you have a break and then you meditate again. Uh, The break is five or 10 minutes of just walking around Mm. basically. And sometimes you can choose to meditate in your room or in the hall, Mm. but there's three times a day where everyone in the whole center, even the servers and everyone like the admin people, they all meditate for an hour in the hall. Yeah. Right. Uh, So cumulatively, yeah, seven, eight, nine hours. Damn dude. Um, Yeah. And there are some periods where you have to meditate for two hours and not move. Um, which is is pretty full-on. Um, but I had some really interesting moments. Like, you know, the physical pain was probably the, the hardest part because mm. you're sitting for so long mm. combined with the fact that your mind is just kind of screaming from no stimulus and all this negative stuff coming up. Mm. And... I I had this moment where I was like an hour and a half into this two hour meditation and my entire body was just aching, Mm. screaming, like particularly my back. And it just felt like I was just about to like break. And I had this really interesting moment where it kind of, I was able to transcend it briefly and kind of feel it all just as sensation without the reaction part. Mm. So like the, the physical feelings were still there, but I didn't care. Mm. It was just like this is just a feeling, mm. um, and it was it was a binary switch too. It was like all pain and then just like completely fine. Mm. Um, interesting. That is something I've been yet to kind of experience again or even really explain.
0: So interesting because people say that about and I, this isn't something I've experienced myself, but people say that about like uh like shibari and stuff. You like what's shibari? It's like a it's like a. a Essentially, it's like a BDSM rope practice. Oh, the Japanese thing. Japanese yeah, rope yeah. thing. Yeah, so people yeah. get, like, tied up and suspended from the ceiling. And apparently it hurts, like, a lot to just be hung, like, you know, constricted and just hung in some position and stay there for, like, a bunch of time, you know, with someone keeping an eye on you. But the point – they say a similar thing, like, it hurts. And then at a certain point you stop, like, you separate from the pain of the thing. That's what people say. But then the other thing is that – the other thing you've reminded me of is, like, I know this is like different, but yeah, quite recently I came back from a a long trip and I was on a very long flight and like, I feel like, um, on a long flight, you know, I don't ever want to do any of the in-flight shit. Like, yeah, there's movies for sure, but sometimes you're just like, ah, I don't want to do it. It hurts my eyes. Yeah. I don't want to do anything and you just find yourself sitting there. And I find that it's like, oh, man, I'm just going to be sitting in this chair for 14 hours. Yeah. It's, a, it's like, oh, that sucks. And, like, every time you check the time, you're like, God, it's not going quickly. Yeah. It's not going quickly at all. But I feel like, yeah, you, you get to a point where you become you become so bored and it's ag- it's agonizingly slow. The whole process. Yep. So like, when you're living through it, you're sitting there. But then when you're done doing it, it's like there's nothing to remember. Because it was just so... Because you didn't do anything. It was so uneventful. Yeah. So you don't really... You're just like, well, it doesn't really feel like I did anything. So yeah. maybe maybe it was fine. But it's just because mm. you you can't like fill your memory with any activity. Yeah. So it's there's just no, like There's a no gap.
1: goalposts of like, I went here and then I did this and then I did
0: that. Yeah, it's just like I was there and then I wasn't. And that's it. That yeah. was like, it was 14 hours. I may as well have been like two hours in terms of like, what did I achieve? What yeah. I do remember doing. It's just like, well, I just sat there.
1: And after that is over, like you don't feel... The suffering of that anymore right like you feel relief that you're off the plane yeah. but then it's also like you know that time before when i was having a shit time like doesn't seem like it was that bad
0: mm. yeah yeah it's strange because like that's it like of course now it's easy because you're not sitting there for like eight hours <laughs> you know what i mean or i whatever. guess because like, like two hours nothing
1: even. you know traumatic hopefully, happened on the plane. No, you know no what exactly, I mean? It's like, yeah. it's if you were on the plane and someone screamed at you and punched you in the face, it's like, later on, you'd <laughs> yeah, yeah, be, you'd be like, like, oh, yeah, that was crazy. Man, that sucked. Like, and you <laughs> yeah. still feel the emotional resonance of yeah. that. But I still feel like the flight sucked, but it's more just like, yeah. well,
0: but, I, you know, I know it sucked, but, yeah. like, I can't remember experiencing it sucking that much. Yeah, it didn't, yeah. Nothing really happened.
1: There's, there wasn't much of an emotional impact. It was just such a nothing experience. Totally. Yeah.
0: But I do find that interesting, the retreat thing. Like, because mm. I, I just imagine, like, Yeah, your brain would just be so, like... I imagine you would think of more stuff. Like, you would conjure up more ideas. I was the most
1: creative I've ever been. Yeah. And I had the least ability to record any of that creativity So I didn't have a pen and paper or anything. Yeah, I
0: feel like that's a real curse. Like, surely if you are allowed, like, a notepad to put thoughts down, that would be, like, the best creative retreat ever. I think... No input, you know?
1: I think the, the whole idea is, like you know, the, the no input makes sense. Like if you have your phone, it just completely defeats the purpose. Right. Yeah, exactly. But like if you're, even if you're recording stuff, I think there's this idea of like, Oh, I'm offloading this psychological distress or I this see, or I whatever see. it is. And I have to just like accept that, you know, if I have a, have a cool idea, like I may, or may not remember it. Hopefully I do, but mm. like I need to let go
0: of that expectation. Yeah. Interesting. Oh man. So cursed, but yeah, I get it. I get it. That's but very I, cool. I acted
1: on some things that I, I thought about nice. like, I, there was someone that I had wronged and I really thought about that quite deeply and I felt quite guilty and I, got, uh, I went and apologized to that person afterwards and hmm. our relationship improved. Oh, that's awesome. And there was a song that I was writing and I came up with like a new riff or a new rhythm in which to play like part of the song. And I was like, this is the key. Like this is how I finished the song. Like hmm. this is what it needs. And I went and recorded that and, and that was good. Nice. But so I
0: guess like you must, in those moments, you must be like... Oh man, I gotta remember this. I
1: did make a, a strong point of it, and I, whether con- like intentional or not, I just replayed the riff in my head over and over. Yeah, because I was
0: yeah. like, it sounds so sick. I feel like I'd be so scared I'd just lose it. Yeah, but I, yeah, 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 yeah. But also,
1: you you have the the most clarity of mind because you know you're not there's nothing absorbing else absorbing bullshit, and so you, you know, like I I had a very clear memory of a lot of the stuff that I
0: thought about, which That's is cool. Dope. That's dope. Yeah, I often think about another thing. I often think about is like. I feel like so, um, like I still have the ability to be bored, which I think is like, it's really interesting to see, even just like my younger sibling who's only like a little bit younger than me. There's way less tolerance for having nothing going on. Right. Or just younger people in general, because yep. like people who've always had devices, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and this isn't me being like, huh, phone bad. These it's kids. more, it's more just like, <laughs> oh man, like, I'm actually like happy that I can sit down and just accept that I'm bored, like be on that flight and just be like, okay, well, here it is. And and that's like not driving me that crazy. Yeah. Because I feel like um, so many times you have to be bored. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, just generally I think like it's good to, um, yeah, even in small amounts, I haven't done a 10-day retreat. Mm. But yeah, when I need to output stuff or I need to come up with ideas or, or motivate myself to do something, the best solution is totally to just like have like, you know, starve my brain of, of, um, stimulus for like, even just like 10 minutes Yep. after 10 minutes, it's like, Oh yeah. (laughs) I can't even imagine 10 days. It's like, yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It was, it was pretty grueling. I won't lie. Yeah. But I think we talked about that last time, right? It's like, you know, just that lack of stimulus often creates the best results. I guess like maybe you can find a way to optimize that where it's like, you're not doing ten days, but yeah, yeah, you know, for, you're sure. go for a hike. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, like that. that
0: kind of stuff is totally important. I yeah. think like that's, yeah, and even if you aren't doing nothing, yeah, I feel like there's something really um, good about doing things that are just compl- like really simple and yeah, you know, even if it is your it's stimulus, but it's not like, uh, yeah, I guess you know they'd call it incubation. You yeah. know, that's the in the ideation cycle, it would be called I- uh, incubation, where you're, okay. just, you're just like doing some. You th- you've processed something and then you go do some menial task and in the background your brain is processing that information. Mm-hmm. Yesterday mm-hmm. I started making a foil ball. You know about this? No. Have you seen these? Well, no, I have not. It's like a, um, you get a big roll of foil, you ball it up and essentially you just try and squash it into the most dense form possible. So you, okay. you, get, you just ball up the whole roll. I did 30 meters.
1: It's aluminum foil. Aluminium yeah. foil.
0: You ball it up and then you you know, you press it in as as much as you can. Then you start, like, slamming it onto a table until it becomes, you know, so it presses really compresses. Yeah. Then yep. you start hitting it with, like, a big mallet. Oh. Then wow. you start hitting it with, like, a, uh, you know, like a normal hammer, you know, and then you just, you just keep <laughs> hammering it.
1: And it becomes...
0: Um, <laughs>
1: just picture you blasting
0: Weird Al in your bedroom, <laughs> just, just like, hammering uh, this Just, like, foil. sitting on the floor on the carpet, hammering into this foil ball. Because what happens is eventually it becomes somewhat like a smooth round ball. Yeah. It so sounds would say, different. Would you say it's as hard as a baseball? Yeah. It's like, it becomes, it's like a metallic ball. That's it's It's crazy. Deadly. It, yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it's not so heavy. Like the yeah. thing about it is like the inside of it is kind of still going to be fickle. not as dense, right? Yeah. What you're really doing when you're hitting it, a lot of it is just making the outside more dense. Yeah. So it's kind of a weird, it feels good. Like it's a really interesting, it sounds good. It becomes more like, hard and more solid as you Uh do it anyway the point is it's immensely satisfying but all you really do to make it is hammer the hammer the ball and try and keep it as round as possible for like several hours like i did it for like an hour and a half yesterday and it's like It's looking good, but if I want that shit to be smooth, I got to hammer it for another like couple of hours. You got to really get in there. And so, but while you're doing it, you're so focused on like, I got to keep the ball shape. What part needs to be hammered next? Uh You know, Uh you can't really do anything except do it. And I find that kind of thing extremely soothing, uh, meditative. I used to do woodworking. It's the same feeling. You're just like, right now, all I'm doing is this. It's like flow state. That's what it is, except you're hammering a ball. how do you reach your flow <laughs> state i have a ball yeah, I, yeah. I, that's one way of reaching it it doesn't transfer into any other good work it's just but you know hey i can make that ball nice and smooth well, that's the that's what i'm doing at the moment i'm I working think on a foil ball
1: i think that's beautiful man <laughs> yeah. honestly yeah. i want to try yeah. it
0: yeah it's a good um, time
1: yeah yeah. and it, it serves the point you mentioned earlier it's like sometimes it's good to do the thing just to do the thing
0: yeah you know? yeah yeah i just was like i saw adam savage do it on youtube and i was like fuck i reckon i could hit a ball Yep. With a hammer, yeah, and I have, and I have, and it's and it's fucking rules. It's you should great.
1: make a YouTube series or something, <laughs> or like, uh, yeah, like a
0: everyday vlog, yeah. or like a time lapse. <laughs> Here it is, yeah, no, I think that's it. Like, I should have started with a time lapse, but now it won't be very interesting. Well, I can do it, I'll yeah, it you go. can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, it's 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 fun, yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah. I'm actually quite keen, pretty noisy, but it's fun, yeah, like it's it's pretty crazy how the surface changes, anyway. I'm not trying to advocate too hard for this, but I just think <laughs> it's uh, you know, it just reminded me, I'm like, yeah, sometimes you can meditate through. Uh, through simple actions as well as um, as doing nothing. It's you quite know, interesting.
1: I've been trying to kind of get my work from home routine like nice and balanced. Um, and generally that involves taking several walks mm. throughout the day. And I often invite my housemate Max for a walk. Mm. And he usually will only go if there's a, a goal, like if there's, if we're getting coffee or we're getting lunch. And so I'm like, oh, no, I'm just going to like go for a walk. He's like... I don't really see the point point. Uh, uh, and yeah, interesting. Um, I was like yeah like sometimes you just gotta go for a walk like just to, to go for a walk and I've been trying to become a bit more analog I guess in that sense mm. like not trying to like do anything in particular just like I mean it has these nice side effects of like a refreshed mental state and I can be more productive at work and mm. you know come up with ideas and get exercise fresh air like there's a lot of good things but there's no explicit goal
0: yeah you know? that's good Mm-hmm. Except for, I guess, the goal of being refreshed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's a goal in and of itself. But yeah, I get you. I feel like it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. For me, like personally, my recent thing has been, I feel like since we last caught up, is that, like I not. I don't work full-time anymore. And that's been really interesting for me. Like I went and did uh, a comedy festival overseas yep. and essentially quit my full-time job before that because I knew I was going to be gone for like two months. Yep. And then yep. I came back and I haven't, like I've filled up, I'm working enough like to pay my bills, Yeah. but it, you know, I'm not really, place. uh, no, no, no. Different I'm actually way. just contracting around. I'm freelancing. Cool. Yes. Yeah. Nice. And so it was a little bit stressful to get that all set up. But now that i am yep. set up, I'm actually only doing like, you know, two days where I'm like fully working Yeah. Yep. and you know, a couple of, every other weekday, I'm just like checking stuff in the morning pretty much. Mm-hmm. And that's like so good. I yeah. mean, I'm still just as busy. I feel just as busy, if not more busy. Um, if as I did before with
1: other stuff, though,
0: yeah, yeah. But I've, I've filled my time with more re- things that are more rewarding. Yeah, and and even then, I just I do feel like mm, even just doing only things, even when you're busy, when you're doing things that you have purpose. Yeah, you're like, oh, I want this. Like, this is something I I want to achieve for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just like this background burnout that's not there. Uh, and so you you just every even when I'm doing like work stuff, it's very similar to the work I was doing before when I was working full time. But when I do it now, it's very like intentional. It's like top tier work because I'm just like, oh yeah, shit. I can I can like think properly. Like my yeah. brain works really good right I'm now. I'm
1: gonna actually put all my energy into this because I don't have to do that five days a week. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So you know, I'm I'm pursuing all kinds of pursuits. Cool. Uh, yeah. You're you know, really busy. Yeah. Music, comedy. Yeah. I'll cut foil ball. Foil, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing another, another thing I'm doing, which I'm is gonna be really fun is I'm gonna make a squib. What's that? It's like uh it's like a special effect that they that you use on film and in, in theater where you make it look like a bullet blood is popping out cool. of your chest from getting shot. Yeah. It's really expensive to buy, it turns out. And then I was like, How how could you could you make one? It turns out you can. Cool. It'll be a little sloppy, but yeah, I'm just Wait, gonna so try my hand at it.
1: Does it squirt on command or how does it work?
0: Yeah, yeah, it squirts you have to pull a little trigger in your yeah. pocket shoots a bit of compressed air and then it Dude, goes psh.
1: you could freak some people
0: out. Oh yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the hope. I mean, well, it'll be for an on-stage thing. I would have, yeah, I thought that might have been. But then it'll be like I'm the guy in Sydney who's got a squib. Yeah. The, I'm the squib, squib a guy. Rental rent squib. <laughs> yeah, no, I got a pe- bunch of people, who are performers. Yeah. They might want to film someone getting shot instead of using this like Lame SFX packs and yeah. After Effects or whatever. They can or maybe practical. A know? bunch of people that want to send a message. You know, it's yeah, like, this yeah. is what's <laughs> gonna happen if you mess with me? Whatever. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, hey, you know, the other thing I might spend some time on, which I haven't done in a couple of months, is like, yeah, I might get back into chess, but this time I'll actually yeah. have, I'll actually have time to become. <laughs> I'm not going to say good. I'm not going to use the word good, but better. So you mm-hmm. haven't played much recently. I haven't played much. No, I took a bit of a. I took a bit of a break because I went overseas and I started just doing comedy yeah i was doing weird hours basically my whole life uh i think the technical term has got flipped turned upside down yeah, uh, yeah 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 and then i was just like oh man i really just fell off the wagon Yeah. Um, but i'm back i'm doing puzzles again i haven't played many games but i'm okay. just like oh, okay let's get let's get back into it this uh, is good news to me because
1: i also suck recently I haven't oh, played really? Also, yeah. maybe we can motivate each other to like, get back into yeah, it and play yeah. each other i definitely more.
0: feel like i've lost a solid like, 100 rating points. What were you before? I've, oh, man. I think I was, like, approaching, I'm going to say 1,300. Okay. I was, like, you know, which yep. is, like, not amazing, but I think, you know, I've had, a, I've had a talk. I don't know if any of your listeners are big chess heads, but I feel like... I don't have listeners. Yeah, great. Nice. Well, <laughs> anyway, look, there's a point in chess, I think. I think there's, like, several major milestone areas, and I think the first milestone area is, like, when you get to the point where you're not just getting like fucking cheesed, like, you yeah. know what I mean? Not even just owned, but like owned by like really shit stuff, like where you're like, okay. fuck, I know I should be able to punish this. But right, like, right. you know, like when you're, when someone like brings their queen out really early and you're like a beginner and so you're just like, shit, how do I, they just have their queen there? That's gonna kind of checkmate my king. And then, yeah, you know, until right, right, and then right. at a certain point, I feel like it's around the like a thousand mark you start to just be like, Oh wait, if they do that, I can just I can threaten just... their queen and get yeah. all this tempo or whatever. That's right. That's right. And then I think yeah. that there's this like real sweet spot that I'm trying to approach because after you get to this point where you're like, cool, now I'm playing games of chess. And then I think when you get to like 1400, something like that, it's like, Oh yeah. Now every game I play is like a good game of chess. Yeah. And then I think once you get to like 1800, it becomes like, Oh man, I can't win any more chess. Unless I become a big nerd and read all the books. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like for to sure. get to get Start from eighteen hundred up. Style. Yeah, once you get to like, okay, yeah. well now I need to get between eighteen to, to two thousand, it's like, well, everyone else is learning opening books. What are you gonna do about it? Yeah. And then I that's for right. me that have no interest in that part of the game. Okay.
1: So if you got to eighteen hundred at uh, like around there Fuck, you'd if be I got happy.
0: to if I got to fourteen hundred, I'd be happy. You know what I mean? Like I'm just playing games of chess that are interesting. For the rest of my life against people who are just as good as me. You know what I mean? Like I have no want to be like the best chess player. Do you think it's like theoretically possible for you to become a GM? I was having a – If you um, dropped everything. I was having a conversation with with some friends about this the other day about like, you know, like do you – is there a point where if you just don't learn something as a kid, you're done forever? Mm. I think that if I wanted to become a GM, I could. But I think that the amount of effort, it would be disproportionately hard for me yeah, to do it yeah. versus if I did it when I was like 10 years old. Yes. You know, people become chess GMs in their like early 20s basically. Yeah, that's right. Like most commonly it's because they were like chess Olympiad kids. who I think who are now really good it's it.
1: even like, you know, there's international masters or whatever that are like 11. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. GMs like
0: hella early. Kids are good. I mean, because it's the way that the game works. Like a lot of what makes people who are really good, really good is, like, that they have really amazing pattern recognition. Yeah. And, like, kids' brains are just, like, sponges. Yeah. So yep. chess is a game where, like, you definitely get an advantage if you start early. Mm. But that's... I think, like... I think, for especially something like chess where there's no, like, physical component. Um, and even some things where there are physical components. Like, I like to think that I could be, like, vir- a virtuosic, like, trumpet player. Yeah. If I decided that I was going to play trumpet really good and that's... I you know moved my entire life Mm -hmm. around being good at trumpet people definitely do these things you know there are people who start very successful careers in things late in life who just like start when they're like 40s yeah yeah yeah. even singers like musicians all sorts of shit but yeah with chess i'm like yeah i could do it probably yeah but i couldn't do it and the main reason i couldn't do it is because i don't care yeah and you (laughs) can't i don't care to do it yeah yeah Uh, but like i think theoretically it is possible okay Um, but it wouldn't be it just i don't think it's the process, I think that's the main thing. Like how long it takes, how easy it is to get to those places. It yeah. changes so much based on who you are. Yes. Um, yeah. And yeah, definitely it'd be crazy to say that like, oh, uh, it'd be everyone has an equal shot at becoming a GM. But mm. but personally, I'm like, oh, uh, I think I could do it if I if I really if you wanted really to. Really wanted, but yeah. I definitely don't. I'm so far from wanting to. we yeah. had
1: like unlimited time, we could just run these experiments. Totally. Like, I'm just gonna be be a GM now. Yeah, right. And like, then I'll just
0: like do something else. Some like hyperbolic time chamber shit. Yeah, uh, yeah. For, from Dragon Ball Z, we just like you, anytime you're in here, every like hour is like I don't know, like a second. Yeah. Outside, that's right. where yep. you're just like, oh shit, yeah. Now you can do all this stuff. Yeah. That's
1: yeah, right, man. I mean. It's an interesting perspective. I, I think, like, I think you could be a GM as well. Mm. I don't think you could be number one. No, no way. No way. I think that there's, like, some innate component, or, like, maybe not innate necessarily, but, mm. like, maybe something genetic, but also just, like, intense dedication from a young age. Oh, yeah. And um, it gets you to Magnus
0: Carlsen. I feel like level. there's, like, I never want to be, like, an essentialist, but I think that there are definite, like, advantages and like essentially if you think about the way a brain works and Hey, nobody understands this fully, but essentially, you know, everyone's brain is different. There's some things that are very common among them. And that but like every, every individual brain is different. Mm-hmm. Be that a combination of genetics and experience, yep. literally experiences making or, you know, reinforcing certain neural pathways or not, whatever mm-hmm. it's complicated stuff. But yeah, there are some people whose brains are just going to be more good at doing something. Yeah. And that could be a complete fluke. But in the case of someone like Magnus Carlsen, who's like the world champion, it would just be like he had a knack for it. I've watched a documentary about him. Like very clearly he had a proclivity towards being good at it. Yeah. He was fortunate in that his dad was really good at chess and fostered an interest in chess from an early age. Mm -hmm. So he had this amazing, you know, early childhood to adolescent period of just like absorbing as much chess information as possible, yep. pushing the game forward. And then, you know, now, you know, has the benefit of like coaches, building his entire team. life around yep. doing it. And yep. yeah, but he has, he's set up for it because he, you know, he has worked at it from an early age. And I do think, I do think he had a natural, uh, a natural proclivity. Yep. It's like, he yep. has, um I believe he has like a sister or something and, and she's not a chess genius, right? right. Like she probably played chess, as well when they were kids but Mm -hmm. like it's not like you know she would have had the same early experiences as him that's right but just doesn't have the same like natural interest or whatever Mm. you know whatever it takes right but it's it's
1: definitely it's very difficult to quantify it is yeah i I think we can quantify the constituent parts but maybe not the the fine details of those parts yeah exactly Um,
0: there'd be some like yeah some amalgamation sort mm. of thing but yeah to make gm is a very different thing to being like the best in the world, because there's like yeah. there's like hundreds of of GMs who are like way. Who How could many other?
1: There's like a thousand at any given time or something. I
0: think something like that. Yeah. Maybe that's it. But I think yeah. you have to
1: be like twenty eight hundred rating or something. 2, yeah. Seven hundred. It's, yeah. it's huge, right?
0: Yeah. And then like there are GMs who are like like Daniel Naroditsky, who's like an amazing YouTuber, has like great chess content on YouTube, and then like he will be like, yeah, wow. like he'd be, like, stoked to get a game off of Magnus. Yeah. Like, yeah. or a couple of games off of Magnus in his entire life. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, and he's so good. He's, he's so good. Like, he's a GM. Magnus you know? is just so you, much better. You watch him take people apart, like, constantly on his YouTube channel. But then there's, like, super GMs. And you know? this this brings us to
1: the topic of today, which mm. is the whole cheating thing. Yeah, yeah, true. And I'll go more into the backstory of it. But just on that point, I think this is the core reason why it was such an upset. Is because Magnus is just so good that it was so unlikely that Hans Neiman was gonna defeat him.
0: Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, let's maybe we should give some background because yeah. I find that yeah. the the actual all of this is so fascinating because yes. the timeline yeah. of it has been really shit, right? Yeah. So basically, as my, as I understand it, there's a tournament. It's over the board, and then Hans takes a game off of Magnus. Yeah. And then Magnus is like. I'm done playing at the tournament.
1: So, so Hans Neiman is a a very good chess player. He's 19 years old. Is yeah, he's 19.
0: Yeah, he looks Shit. like he's like 40, but he's, yeah, he's, oh, he's I had 19 had no idea years he was old. Still young. Yeah, he's really he looks young. jaded. <laughs> he does. He looks like he looks old as hell. He looks old as hell. Yeah, no, he's he's just 19 actually. Yeah. Okay,
1: so 19 year old player. He was the lowest ranked in this tournament, I think. Okay, so I think he was just invited, like just barely invited to this tournament. Um, and he he plays against Magnus Carlson, who's world number one. Yeah. And wins. Yeah, uh, and from the first analysis that I heard about, uh, the interview afterwards was a bit sus. And so, apparently, in this interview, Hans was being a little bit sheepish and kind of not going into depth about how he played and the strategies that he was using. Totally. Uh, and in the the eyes of Magnus, um, when there was key moments in the game in which any other player would be sweating and just, like, you know, focusing so
0: hard. He was kind of very nonchalant. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's something that came out much later. Like, initially, Magnus just was like, I can't comment on this. Yeah. Which I think is yeah. really... Basically, for days and days where there was no information on what this was happening... Yeah. But, like, fucking chess channels like Gotham Chess were making, yeah. like, a video every day about the scandal. And then the yeah. video is like, not about the scandal. Yeah, it's just so speculation. There's still nothing. Yeah, yeah. Kind of shit. And then, like, his 20 minutes of chess games yeah yeah that kind of you know clickbait sort of stuff but like i think like yeah what was really interesting was that there was nothing for quite a long time there's no details and so there was heaps of speculation about what it could be but one of the main reasons that there was so much speculation despite the fact that all magnus actually did was like quit the tournament yeah you know he he had like a tweet that was something like a a, it was like a clip of that like football coach guy being like yeah yeah i'll i'll be in big trouble if i say what i yeah. want to say or
1: whatever yeah but basically so i've, I've got it here it says i've withdrawn from the tournament i've always enjoyed playing in the stl chess club and i hope to be back in the future and then there's a clip of the yeah the, the classic meme nice of the, i think it's a soccer coach right yeah, yeah so if right. i speak i'm in big trouble
0: that's right yeah, which was a very kind of cryptic and tweet. so people were like what's up the other really big thing which is just something to note is like because uh, i think one take that that people would have is like well you know He's salty. He lost a game against a worse player. Yeah. And he's just like bounced out of the tournament. But I think the thing you need to understand about Magnus Carlsen is that like he loses games. Yeah. He loses games to people. It's not like that crazy. Yeah. um, To lose a game. I mean, it's kind of crazy to lose a game against someone that much lower ranked. Yeah. But it's not impossible. And the Mm. other thing about him is that he has never left a tournament ever in his entire career. Never bailed. Even when he's been like really sick Mm -hmm. unwell and stuff Mm. so it's just like totally out of character not a move that you would normally see the world champ make he's never he's been the world champion for like a decade now right yeah something like that he's never swung his weight around like like that to to get something no and so it just seems like really weird that he would do this right now if he didn't have a good reason i think outsiders looking in and people
1: that i've told about it without heaps of context have been like oh yeah he's a crybaby kind of thing yeah totally and i i think you know based on what you've just said now it makes a lot of sense and and from what i could tell as well it's like this doesn't seem normal yeah this this, this is so normal reaction
0: people a lot of the chess community panicked about it because it is it was such a weird such a weird thing for him to do Mm. and then yeah and then there was all this other stuff that happened afterwards like basically there was an interview with Hans Niemann, where he was like, "Hey, you know, I have cheated before online, yeah, a couple of times. That's right. I'll admit that, but yeah. I wouldn't cheat over the board. I'd never, yeah. do yeah, yeah.
1: And so he said he cheated, I think once when he was twelve and once when he was sixteen.
0: Yeah, totally. And so pretty interesting though, because when he was sixteen it was just three years ago. Yeah, right. And I only just I thought that it
1: was like, oh, that's like twenty
0: years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which it would be different, right? It'd be different. But yeah, so yeah. so this is important. I mean, something. Yeah, I mean, it's it it's super weird. It's a weird move. Yeah. Even just to, to admit to any cheating whatsoever. Yeah. is kind of a weird move at that point. If it, it was in the raise past. It does
1: suspicions. It definitely does. No, I'd like to bring your attention to this clip as well. Um, so this is the after match, aftermath okay. of this match. So Hans is just one.
0: He just like stands up and leaves. It is...
1: So he's doing a post match interview now.
0: Dude, look at this guy.
1: He just, he looks so stone faced. Like, <laughs>
0: he totally looks, he looks sus as hell. Do I you mean, think he looks like he's just cheated? I don't know. It, I think he is. I know a, that's like, he's a sus looking guy. He, he, sort of and he's also there, a te- he's also a teenager. so it, I'm like, yeah. wow, he's behaving so awkwardly, but it's like, well, I mean, he's a teenager who's really good at chess. That's, so, true. So That's Maybe true. he's just a really awkward guy, okay, know? but then
1: he speaks. And then he walks away. Chess
0: speaks for itself, and then he just walks away. <laughs> and then they're just like laughing about it. Yeah, it's so fucking weird. He couldn't comment on why on on any of the things he did. Yeah, uh, that like that was something that was very people were very sus on. Was like, well, yeah. hey, does he, like, if he did all this genius stuff like why can't he explain like how he came with up with the breakthrough in the position etc yeah. etc cetera, et cetera. it is all it's all very sus it's I all mean, very not nice to stuff. play devil's advocate is that could that be like well i don't want to give
1: away my new strats
0: yeah that's interesting i feel like it's not like possible to have a strat like that in a game like chess i feel like yeah. the position is yeah. the position like yeah. and if you say well i found this really interesting thing it's likely that you will Never play that kind of thing ever again. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, especially deep into the game, game. totally. Like once, Mm. like these guys are never in book. You know what I mean? Like never. Like they they know the first like twenty moves of any given sequence. And by
1: by in book, you mean the the known theory? Totally. Yeah, like people can study and when you
0: when you hear people be like, "This is the Scott Gambit," or "This is the like you know the King's Indian Defense," or whatever. That's like this is a set of moves that are pretty much, most of the time, equal. It's theory. This is like what you should do if this person does this, the yep. best move. And yep. at a certain point, you know, chess has so many combinations of moves yep. that it's impossible to know every game that's going to happen or know yep. the perfect position for everything. And, and it yep. becomes very murky at a certain point and like computers struggle with it. So Yes,
1: and people that are both very, very good, uh, they can't really be relying on theory because the other person is going to know the theory too. Right? Totally. So at this point you know i think i heard someone saying once it gets 10 15 moves into a game it's like that's a completely unique yeah exactly position
0: in fact you know that would be usually that's what people would start to describe as the middle game like yeah. the middle game yeah. uh and then there's another turning point where there's an which is what called the is called the end game i yeah. uh, Which tends to be tends to be when both queens are off the board or yeah. basically it just moves it gets into a point where it's like one person has to promote a pawn to a queen to win the game. Yeah. It's not going to happen in like an explosive checkmate sort of thing. That's usually, but there's quite actually, it's quite loosely defined what, what is and what isn't an end game. Right. You can kind of, you know it when you see it sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, very interesting.
1: So this interview interview happens. uh, Magnus quits the tournament. He posts the cryptic tweet and, and then arguably the the best part uh, starts to sort of circulate. So, Uh, to give a bit of context there's chess bots right there's chess computers and so there's these algorithms that have gotten really good at playing chess uh they're better than any human at Mm. the at the best level but they're not perfect um all the time Mm. but they are very very good and people have taken these bots uh one of which is called stockfish it's like probably the most popular one
0: yeah yeah there's there's some really actually that's a whole interesting topic in itself like Mm. The, how computers have changed chess and so on. But essentially, yep. like, initially there was a really famous thing called Deep Blue, which is, yep. like, the first chess computer to beat a world champion. Yeah, And since then there's been, like, a, a lot of improvement in how it works. The The best chess thing now is called Alpha Zero. Yep. And it's essentially, like, a lot of chess computers used to be based off of humans, the best human games ever to study Uh, Alpha Zero is like completely like they just put it... Self-learning. To play against another version of yourself and figure out how to win. And it has played like... millions and millions and millions millions of games it's
1: like deep learning right so it's like they they give it the parameters of what is considered a win and 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 what are the rules rules of the game yeah uh and then they say just go and play as many games as you can and these are the criteria for improvement yeah and just get really it
0: can play so many games and learn so perfectly from its past mistakes that it plays millions and millions of games within a few days and it's like Yeah. yeah so these computers are like completely unbeatable. Yeah. Like no human could ever stand a chance against them. It's Mm. like beyond Mm. possible for, for somebody who's a person to beat one now, which is, which is crazy. It's bonkers. It's crazy. But yeah, basically what it means though, is if you have access to a, a computer, even if it's just like not, let's say it's not over the board, you know, you're just sitting in your room and you're playing chess online and you have another screen with one of the en- one of these engines in yep. it. You And you, you just put in all the same moves. You literally can't lose. Yeah. You know, worst yeah. Worst case, you can draw a game if you just do what the computer says. And this is how
1: people cheat online.
0: Yeah, yeah. totally. And yeah. so it's actually so easy to cheat in yeah. chess. Yeah. That like really the main thing stopping people from doing it is just like why on earth would you sit there and cheat in chess, basically? Like yeah. What, like you're a loser. how is it how is it fun for you? Uh, especially online chess, you can't even see the other person, you don't know how what they're I reacting mean, to. You're literally yeah. just like copy pasting moves from one screen to another screen. Love that stuff. Totally. Same
1: with like aimbots in FPS games. Uh, with
0: aimbots, I, I understand that a little more. Like, yeah. I would never do it, I don't condone it, but it's like, well, you get to look at the guys get you clicking on the guys, and you're always hitting them every single time. Like there's something more visceral about the like, oh yeah, when I click, I hear the bullet sound. I'm yeah. hitting them in the head. Okay. They're dying. I look like a boss. <laughs> Fucking cheat chess cheating is just yeah. like cool. Wow, the computer says now I move this pawn forward one yeah. square. It's yeah. lame as hell, man. Yeah. Like it's yeah. a lame enough game that you know to play without cheating. For sure. cheating, it's just like pfft. and it completely removes any like the other thing is in FPS is like people can still kill you if you're using an aimbot right in chess you, you just can't lose, can't lose. Yep. like there's just yep. no it's, it's not fun it's not real time either yep. it's turn based it just yeah. sucks yeah, like yeah. it's just like don't understand it personally but people do cheat yeah. like heaps of people do it I, yeah. I guess it's an ego thing oh
1: we can get mm. more into to that part of it but Point being, there are these chess bots, right? And people have taken, historically, these bots and put them into Raspberry Pis, like tiny computers, uh, and put them in, like, shoes. Mm. So they call that sock fish, which is, like, stock fish. Yeah, nice. Um, And so that, I think, has been demonstrated in, in... I think someone did it just as a as an experiment. They didn't weren't actually cheating in a real tournament. They were just saying this is
0: possible. Mm.
1: And so I think it was vibrating and like saying, okay, a three would be like one vibration and then three vibrations or totally. something
0: like that, right? Yeah, totally. The actual the thing that's really interesting about it is that like the better you are at chess, the less y- you need to actually cheat. That's right. So like yeah. the thing that's kind of crazy is that like because people have cheated in chess tournaments before with just yeah. like someone in the crowd coughing coughing or, or whatever because yeah. like if you're actually like a gm level player you don't need somebody to tell you the move that you mm. need to make you mm. don't need the computer to tell you the move you need to make you just need somebody to indicate to you hey take a good look at this position because there's something really good for you here yeah and like most people who are that level yeah. will find it if they know you got to think about it in an actual over-the-board classical game of chess there are often it goes beyond 40 moves right yeah there's so many unique positions to look at. So many potential moves in every single position that you could take. So, like, there are definitely positions where, like, there is something really good and you could just miss it. Yep. Because, like, you know, you're a person. Yeah. And But and if somebody's just like... <coughs> that's right. Look at this a little bit harder, most of them that will... Need. Just knowing that there's something really good in that position yep. means that you can find it way more easily. I've heard it described as all they need to know
1: is that there's more than one good move to be made here yeah so there's like there's something to think about
0: yeah like literally just like hey you got a cool you got a great move here yeah would be just like all you need all you need and so and but yeah obviously you could potentially you could do a whole yeah yeah. and anyway and so the the interesting the the how they've posited that he cheated is very interesting very funny yeah yeah so um established that you know you
1: can put these chess computers in small devices and potentially hide them on your person and and cheat and someone online, I think it's this Eric Hansen guy. Um, is it Chess That's Chess Bra, that's like Chess his, Bra. His name. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's um, a good. It's a good channel. So yeah, I, I don't know this guy, but he he started this joke basically that the way that Hans Niemann cheated was with anal beads, and so he had vibrating anal beads that were remote controlled somehow, and it's it's totally
0: possible. That's the thing. It's one hundred percent
1: possible, and that, that's the one thing they would never really, you know they would never they check. wouldn't make you
0: spread they do scan they do scan they do you have, and a they have a wand wand and yeah. everything but yeah if you had like a silicon like vibrator you put up your butthole mm-hmm. and then somebody has like the app on their phone and they just buzz you when it's something to look at i mean it's it, possible it, You'd it would need electronics
1: in it though right like it wouldn't would that not be picked up by a wand do i think? don't know yeah hmm.
0: i'm not i'm not 100 sure i'm not a mm-hmm. i'm not a wand expert but yeah, yeah. um yeah it's funny it, uh, like uh, theoretically <laughs> possible right in theory, you could if someone was sending signals to a vibrating thing in your butt, yep. you could. I don't know though. This is the other thing that's quite interesting, is like, I mean, I there's way more details that you could look into, but nobody's been able to make anything super conclusive right. out of the over-the-board stuff, which we'll get into in a bit. But like, you know, having someone in the audience. Yep. If there was an audience, I don't think there was in that recording. It didn't look like No. Was that the actual
1: game? <clears throat> I, think I think there was, was p- a couple of because there was one where yeah, th- th- I guess that was the one where he won, and then he said chess speaks for itself. Yeah, and then he played to ag- get him again, looked- and then Magnus quit after one move.
0: Oh yeah, can we look back at that game actually? Because it looked like they were playing on computers. Like it didn't look like yeah. they're actually playing over okay, the board. I, th- I think it was like,
1: yeah, they're they're in- on computers and it's being streamed, but they they are right in front of each other. Yeah, but it's not over the board. It's so interesting.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I that's, mean that's that's
1: I, interesting. I can't see any annual beads in this picture. No,
0: but obviously it's also like they've got chairs, they've got um, fucking they've got they got screens they're on computers. It's so weird that there isn't a board between them actually.
1: Yeah, there should just be a board. I thought if they were playing remotely, it would make a lot more sense. But than yeah, I mean
0: he, the fact that he's on a computer, I mean you would they would have everything on the computer monitored. It's interesting. Yeah, it's yeah interesting. That's right. That's right. But yeah, it's basically it's not completely infeasible that you could smuggle something. That would signal you somehow mm-hmm. um, and in a really, there's pl- probably really clever ways because all it needs to do is like the tiniest indication to you. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it'd be people have theorized all sorts of devices before have been used for cheating.
1: It would just need to vibrate once in, in a certain situation. Totally. People that's have also said like
0: bathroom breaks could be yep. used, but like, I don't think he did that. This is the thing, like this whole thing, the thing that's still bad about it is like, no one can really prove that he cheated. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Well, not in this particular game. Not in this particular game, like over the board against Magnus Carlsen. No one can really prove that he cheated. Yeah. And I think that, yeah. So it gets pretty interesting. I think like, yeah, maybe we should move on to this. So essentially, Mm -hmm. you know, this has launched a huge, especially Magnus Carlsen eventually made a statement. That was something along the lines of like what you said before, like, Hey, you know, I felt off playing against him. Yeah. It, he, he managed, you know, he had he was too cool about moves that should have been really hard. Yep. You know, I've played against the other best players in the world and nobody would be as chill or as fast to make those kinds of moves as yep. he was. Yep. It was suspicious, right? Um, Interesting, Magnus never actually says he cheated because he can't say that because he would be legally, legally yeah. right? So I think that when we were waiting for Magnus to speak out, what we we're actually waiting for was Magnus's legal team need to come up with a way of phrasing this in a way where he can't be held liable for yeah. defamation sure <clears throat> anyway so um uh, since then though so like chess.com which is you know a company a private company um <clears throat> but they have the most they're the biggest chess website. biggest biggest chess website easily and they um have the best anti-cheat stuff yeah right they have statisticians analysts so on when somebody reports that they think someone's cheating on their website they they look into it and they usually it's unbelievably easy to tell when someone's cheating yeah like you know the most common thing you'll see when someone's cheating online in chess is like that they always make a move it's three seconds exactly between every move why is that just because it's like yep you look over at the other screen you do this it's like a very simple cadence even for moves that are unbelievably obvious yeah that you anyone who's like anybody normal would just instantly or even pre-move yeah um, you know, because it's like, well, this is it. we're gonna just do the book, and uh, still be like duh, you play and it's like duh, or yep. well, people make yeah, it's interesting. Like so the, the timing of the moves is is a factor. Let's say they're they're
1: cheating for every move, which is not always the case, but let's yeah. say that they are you're saying that even with like very simple moves that they should just be doing quickly, or maybe like really difficult moves that they should be taking a long time for, it's always the same thing it's always basically. about three seconds.
0: Yeah, there's like it's really interesting. Daniel Naroditsky has you know a series where he just plays on his YouTube channel against people and up climbs the rating ladder. And then there are some episodes of it where it's like, okay, we think someone cheated on this one. And he'll actually like, you know, he, he gets beaten sometimes and he's like, they didn't cheat. Like he's, he's actually like very, very not salty guy. Yeah. And people in his chat, anytime someone is beating him, will be like, this guy's cheating. And he'll be like, guys, no, like, you know, I would hate to be like, playing heaps good one day, mm. playing a be, my guess, best game of my life and have everyone say that I was cheating. Yeah. But then he does have some games where he's like, okay, let's actually look at this. And he's like, I reckon this person cheated. Here's all and the And he looks at their why. profile. Yep. And he you says they are the rating way too quickly. Yeah, you know, there's, there's games that always have like a certain like accuracy that's like really crazy. Yeah. Or it's like their moves, every individual move is like, the accuracy is really shit, and at a certain point, it just like gets turned on. There's all these yeah. different factors. Yep. Like, there's so yep. many ways to look at it, and so basically, chess- and Just to
1: clarify, by accuracy, we mean um, the chess engine has an optimal move that yeah. it thinks is the best. And if your move was that move, then that's perfect accuracy. Exactly,
0: exactly. Yeah. And then there's like other moves that are good, but not as good. Yep. You know, essentially, it pr- has a, a measurement. <laughs> a measurement called center pawns. Yeah. uh, yeah, uh, Center pawns, which it uses to measure like how good a movie is and whether there's an advantage or slight advantages, because ultimately when you get really, really good, slight advantages are are what makes the difference between the the best people and the worst or the best and the not so best. But anyway, yeah. So chess.com has so much, so much stuff to analyze games. And they essentially did this like big, big deep dive into Hans Niemann's Mm. chess profile Mm -hmm. on their website And the biggest, most alarming thing was that essentially, you know, he had, he admitted into that in that interview that he has cheated a couple of times on online and Chess.com's report indicates that he's cheated over a hundred times on their platform. Yeah. Like that was huge. And some of the instances he was on stream and they're like, you can look at, you can see when he toggles it on and off. Yeah. You can see where he starts looking at his other screen. Mm -hmm. Like there's these instances where they're like, we caught him red-handed cheating. And then also, you know, there's even events that he played in for money, for prize money that they think he cheated in. That's right. Which is pretty damning. Stolen money, kind of. Yeah, Yeah. pretty much, right? So, you know, they banned his account. And at the time, because before they released this report, they just banned his account on Chess.com. And then the sort of general vibe... Right, in the in the internet sphere was people being like Magnus Carlson just did this one thing where he left the game he didn't even say anything and we're crucifying this young guy's chess career right so it's unfair chess.com uh, released a statement being like we think he may have cheated more than he's saying yeah before they release the full report mm-hmm. and people were like chess.com are in bed with Magnus Carlson they're acquiring his company yes blah 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 yeah but you know the actual report is it's totally publicly available.
1: Yeah, is it out now? The <laughs> seventy-two
0: page report. Yeah, yeah, it's out, and yeah. it's and it's damning. It's yeah. like, well, you know, as you know, they don't think. Uh, apparently, Magnus had no access to that information. Yeah, yeah. He, so th- that's the thing that's even crazier is like, in throughout all of this, it's, like personally, I'm like certain that he cheated in I that think, in that game. I think so because, firstly, how did he do it? This is the thing. I have no idea how he did it, right? right. But it just to me, I think like what was interesting to me, it was like Magnus had no idea about this stuff, right? He had no idea about like the fact that he had cheated so many times. Yeah. <clears throat> At least there's no, no. chess.com have being like, we didn't like, he doesn't know this stuff yeah. until we release this report. Yeah. The fact that he was like playing this game against this guy, it was just like, no, something's up. Something's up. The guys played so many games of chess. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just think he, he would have played against, so many opponents, yep. all kinds of different people, mm. all kinds of different cultural backgrounds, all kinds of different yep. attitudes, styles, yep. emo- etiquette, yep. you know, different situations, formal, informal. Yep. He's played, the guy's played tens of thousands of chess games, hundred yeah. maybe. Yeah. I don't know. He's Quite played fuckloads loads of chess. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> I really think that, you know, and then this, this is kind of taking it in a crazy direction. And this is just me armchair theorizing, but like, People who do. I'm gonna go off on a tangent. This is really interesting book. It's called Blink. Mm-hmm. It's by Malcolm Gladwell. And it's basically about like snap decision making and how like your brain does so much background processing that you're not consciously aware of. Like really, more of your brain function is happening outside of your conscious experience. Yeah. Um. Then is then is happening within it. So like the book goes, it talks about all these people who can do these remarkable things. Like there's this one guy who's like, he was a tennis tennis coach for like 50 years, coached all the best tennis players. And he can always tell when someone's about to do a double fault, ah. which is like when you fuck up a serve two times in a row Yep. in professional tennis. Now the thing is wow. in professional tennis, double faults don't really happen. Yeah. Cause you'd have to fuck up a fault, a serve two times and you're a professional tennis player. And so, th- and this is, like I, what I get the, the sense of
1: is when I see like single faults in those games is mm. they do the fault. And then in my mind, I'm guessing, okay, they're going to do a safer play here. Like yeah. they're, they're going to do a safer serve now because they don't want to get a double. Fault.
0: Oh, totally. But the other thing is just like, you know, it's just so unlikely. Yeah. It's so statistically yeah. unlikely. Yeah. And it's like, this guy knows when they're going to do one. And it's something he can't explain how he knows when they're going to do one. He can always tell his, his accuracy is like a hundred percent. Wow. Right. So this other guy who can, who studies? Um, I swear we'll come back to the point in a bit. Yeah, this guy who studies couples, and he's been he's like a psychologist, and he records them interacting with each other, but they're not allowed to talk about their relationship. They just have a five minute conversation that's completely filmed, and it's about whatever. Just talk about something. Your dog. Talk about your day. Whatever. Okay. And then he, from the footage of the couples from like a five minute conversation with like his team, they encode every single micro expression every frame every intonation of their voice everything and basically they have this way of codifying different emotional responses to each other the dynamic of the relationship and there are a few factors that he's his theory is if there's any of these things present to a certain level it's over the relationship is doomed to to fail. Wow. Right? Resentment being like one of the big ones, right? Mm. Just for example, there's, there's way more to it than I can explain. That's and really and cool I won't, yeah, but yeah. The, this guy though, even outside of this like detailed recording thing, he can sit in a cafe, he can watch a couple for a few minutes and then he can tell you they're going to get divorced. Wow. And it's because, and, and basically the point is mm. the idea is that like, there's so many like micro things, like little details and stuff that you don't actually process consciously. Yeah. But if you've seen something enough, you have this, like, sense for it or what most people call, like, intuition or gut feeling. Yeah. But your gut feeling is actually just, like, super brain shit where your brain yeah. just, like, figured this whole thing out for you. Like, sometimes people will be like, I went somewhere and it was off. And I went, I left straight away. And then I found out that this really bad thing happened there. And mm-hmm. how did I know, right? Yeah. As one example that I read about in this book was, like, this lady who got a really bad sense for something that was going to happen left. And then it turns out there was a guy waiting to mug her at her front door. Right. Wow. And it turns out that the the theory was like, well, actually what, what could have happened is she went into her stairwell in her apartment building. She saw this guy in her stairwell, which is fine, but, she saw the guy, but she never heard a door click for the guy to enter, but she never consciously noticed that. But that, there's like all these things that yeah. like, you know, it's, like it's something's, something's not right. Here. You know, something's not right. And yeah. you go, okay. Anyway, my point is that like someone who's played as many chess games as Magnus Carlsen, who never has ever before quit a mm. tournament. Mm. who's never done anything like this ever before. And like, he's lost before gracefully. He's lost before many times gracefully. Yeah. He lost, he lost a game to like, um, Pragy, who's like this, like kid. He's like this Indian kid. Right. who's like, Fuck! I can't. Remember. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna guess he's like 12 years old. Like he's, he's, he's a kid. He's really, really good, right? and he's taking games off of Magnus Carlsen. He's yeah. the guy who everyone's like, "This kid is going to be the, the next like one. next Magnus yeah. Carlson kind yeah, of thing." Yeah. And he's lost games to the kid, and he's like, "Wow, that's amazing." Yeah, you know, he has never been like, "Yeah, this kid cheated." He's never accused anyone of cheating ever in his yeah. entire career. And yeah. again, we've played how many games has he played? However many, a right? Lot. So many, and so. The fact that he was just like, nah, I I don't like this. I think he's cheating. Yeah. I think actually has a lot of weight to it. Mm -hmm. I think it has a lot of weight to it. And then there's the the history of him doing so many instances of him cheating offline. Mm -hmm. It just seems to me like it would be so unlikely that this guy who's cheated for money offline so many times would go in to a tournament where he's the lowest rated player take a game of Magnus Carlsen and then Magnus Carlsen would be like, there's something up. Yeah. But he actually just played the best game of his life. I just think it's so unlikely. So
1: unlikely. Yeah. Not theoretically impossible, but just like, it just doesn't add up. Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah. No, I don't think anyone can prove that he cheated. Yes. But I think like, you know, some people have even said, well, they're like, well, if Magnus knew about his reputation for cheating, that could have put him off and it could have made him think that he was cheating when he actually was just playing really good. Yeah. But I think like, there's just been nothing to support. That he knew why he was playing those moves. Plus,
1: um, I think in part of the chess.com statement, there was some DMs between Hans Neiman and the chess.com moderators. Mm. And I think Hans was saying something like, oh yeah, I was cheating because I wanted you know, my stream to become more popular. Yeah, yeah. Cause he was streaming on Twitch or whatever. That's right. Yeah. And so he's like, yeah, I want to play against, you know, like Hikaru and like some of the big guys. And like, you know, I, I need to climb the ladder in order to do that. Mm. So to me, that suggests that he has this penchant for like for clout. Yeah, right? totally. And, and like, I guess to some extent, fair enough. That's kind of why, like why you do it. I mean, you love the game too, but it's like, you want to be successful, but what I mean is, like, he is willing to cut corners in order to get that status.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think, like, yeah, it's, it's rough, right? I mean, I think it's important that, you know, he's not allowed to get away with even, like, this. Let's say this one game he didn't cheat, but it's still not, it, everything that's come to light as a result of it. Like, he shouldn't be allowed to compete and stuff. That's right. Like, it hurts the whole yeah. game, right? If it was this guy who was like, huh. Oh. Until you can prove that I cheated. Yeah. I can just do whatever I want. Like it just, it's got such a bad feel, you know what I 100%. mean? hundred
1: percent. And also it's like, we, we did prove that you cheated a hundred times. Yeah. Like yeah. It to, to the best standard of cheat detection that we have uh, available, right? Yeah, and yeah. So I, I think you're absolutely right. It's like, it leaves a sour taste in people's mouth. and And I think, Magnus, you know, because he said, I'll never play in a tournament with him again. Yeah. And so now it's like, if Hans is invited, Magnus isn't going to play.
0: And now, and that's an interesting time as well. Like in, if we're just going to keep talking chess, it's an interesting time because Magnus is actually like not going to be like, he's giving up the world championship title. Do you know that? No. What what do you mean giving it up? So he's like, I'm not going to defend my title as world champion anymore. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting, right? So he's in an, he's in an interesting position where like basically it's actually quite fascinating. <clears throat> so like as the world chess champion, he's like the FIDE world chess champion. So FIDE is basically like the uh, international chess organization yeah, that's responsible yeah. for doling out whether people are grandmasters or whatever. Yeah. And you know, they've been part of the chess world for a really long time. There's been other chess companies that have come and gone and they've been rivaling ones or whatever. But for the long, uh, for a really long time now, FIDE has been the one that decides who's the world champions and so on even some weird wartime shit has been interesting. And actually something that's so fascinating is just looking at all the chess world champions and like what their styles were, what they mm. did, what they didn't. Anyway, some amazing, really cool stuff there. Anyway, so Magnus, you know, pretty much has been the world champion for like, I don't know, it's a while, like 10 years or something, even maybe even more. Um, the thing is he's working for FIDE. He There's things he can't do. There's things he... He has to be restricted. Mm -hmm. He's always got to defend the title. So he's always got to be prepping for the next world title match. So it takes up a lot of his time and effort. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, a couple of things, FIDE, not the most like, they're, they're very, um, very Russian organization or Russia has like quite a lot to do with FIDE. And that's not the best at the moment. There's been a lot of people who've been like criticizing FIDE for not like saying more about the Russia, Ukraine conflict, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some bad vibes there. There's been chess players who've left Russia who've, like, who've, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh they've become expats. They've, yeah, they're yeah. expats or yeah. whatever. They've, they've emigrated. Yeah. yeah. Right. As a result of this stuff. Cause they're like, we don't want to be part of this country or represent this country anymore on the right. world stage. <clears throat> there's others who haven't. But anyway, um, so there's that. But also, it's like, well, wow, What is there left for him to achieve? You know, if he wants to be the longest reigning world champion, well, he'd have to do it for, like, another 10 or 15 more years to beat Garry Kasparov. Right. And it's like, well, how rewarding is that going to be just to say that you were the longest running one? Okay. And then someone else could just beat it. Well, the thing is, he's actually, what he wants to do is to have the, he wants to achieve a rating Of, I think, I can't remember what the actual rating is, but essentially the theoretical human maximum rating on chess. Right. Yeah. Yeah, That's his goal is to like become the best player rating wise to ever live or the first person to ever achieve that number. Okay. Which is epic as hell. It's like, it's insane. It's actually more cool than being the world champion. So, because heaps of people have been world champion. At his current (laughs) elo, like, if he beats the world
1: number two, for example, like how many points does he get? Like, how does that? Does I don't it, know. Does he, he keep getting better? He, does, like, he
0: gets more points. Yeah. For, but he has to basically go for long stretches of being completely undefeated. Yeah. yeah. Against all the best players in the world. Yeah. Which is, it's tough. Yeah. Like, it's a big. So, yeah, it's, it's, um it's huge. Big goal. He plays for, he gets long stretches of being completely undefeated. Yeah, it's a cool goal. So mm. I can't remember what the rating is, but it's like, oh, it's, yeah, it's in the 3000s. Yeah. Very big, very big number. Yeah. <laughs> very huge number. Yeah. So, yeah. So he's trying to do that and, you know, he's got other interests. He's got like, he plays poker. I don't know if you knew this. Oh, okay. He plays like professional poker. Right. So good at it. So good at it. How? What's his net worth? Do we know? I don't know. We could look it up. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's got to be worth millions. I reckon he's got, I mean, he's got companies, you know, he's, he's a busy boy. But essentially, yeah, he's he's essentially like, I'm not going to be the world champion anymore. I'm going to stop defending it. Well, here we go. Estimated to be $50 million. Yeah, there you go. Mm. For sure. Yeah. And he's, what, he's like 32 years old? Yeah. Something I, like that? I'm not sure. Let's see. He's been champion for 10 years or so, right? Like, Born... 1990. He's 31. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, pretty nuts. So, uh, yeah, crazy, crazy. Do you think there's a level
1: of cognitive decline that would happen uh, beyond that age? I mean, obviously at some age, but, you know, I think about athletes and it's like if you're a 31-year-old athlete, you're kind of in your last years, right? That's an
0: interesting one. Yeah, I guess. But at the same time, like, he's kind of in unknown territory. Like, he has the highest, I believe he has the highest rating ever. Right now, right. I don't okay. think I think he's the top rated chess player of all time. Yeah, in theory, he's the best chess player ever to live so far. Right. Yeah, <clears throat> with the help of computers, which play games at this like beyond what is possible for a human. I think the rating is three thousand. I think it's yeah. th- theoretically a, a person playing it a could three thousand. And then there's no, and you're playing like near perfect, near perfect, near perfect, which which would be crazy. If he achieves that, that would be nuts, and nobody mm. could technically ever beat him. All you could hope to achieve is the same. So just draw. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I think that's his thing. He's like, I want to do this. I want to be taking more world titles instead of just defending one world title. Like keep entering all these other tournament types. Cause remember all he has right now that he has to keep doing is defend his world championship title in classical chess. Okay, so there's like blitz titles or like bullet titles. Totally, right? right. He, okay. he can't really focus on any of that shit because he's like, mm. I've got to always gotta be study. waiting for the candidates, yeah. team of people who I'm paying to study, what all the candidates are doing. So, yeah, and that's quite interesting stuff. Mm. Um, but, yeah, mm. so he's, he's in a unique position uh, where he's like, you know, moving out from – from underneath the FIDE thing. Somebody else will be the world champion, but he'll be like, okay, but well, I'm going to be the best. Yeah. It's so quite interesting. I'll be the best kind of thing. But it also shows a lot like, yeah, it's interesting. Times are changing, you know? Yeah. Uh,
1: it's yeah. probably the biggest thing to happen in chess ever. And there you go. Right?
0: World champion 2013 to 2023. So 10 years.
1: Yeah. Wow. Okay. He's, he's killing it. He's killing it. Yeah, yeah. But
0: see, imagine doing more than double that just to, just to say that you were the longest reigning one. Yeah. And yeah, and there's all this hassle. Like he's an employee of FIDE, so, yeah, so he'll do much better for himself, uh, not doing that.
1: Maybe he'll just drop it all and become a, the best trumpet player or something. Yeah,
0: yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think he could. <laughs> this guy, I think he could do it. Yeah, he is so good at poker. There's some really funny videos of him doing it.
1: Yeah, like I can just calling
0: bluffs and then looking really smug and stuff. I yeah. can.
1: Yeah, I can imagine how those skills would transfer, like with pattern recognition. He could probably count cards
0: too, right? Oh man, surely. Like, yeah, they wouldn't <laughs> let him near a blackjack like, no table. <laughs> no, no, yeah, surely not. <laughs> I think. It, yeah, I think there's like quite a lot of that. Like, you know. Uh, it's different right because because um, chess is like a perfect information game like you can see everything there's yeah. no hidden information like your opponent doesn't have anything that you can't see on the board yeah. you're just as available to the board position as they are whereas in poker it's like well there's there's options of things that they could have Yeah, but actually there's only a finite number of things that they could have yep yeah. Yeah, that's Whereas right. Whereas the number of chess positions are actually infinite. So yeah, or almost infinite, very close, like yeah.
1: beyond human memory and knowledge.
0: Yeah, oh, so well beyond. Yeah, 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 certainly. Yeah, yeah. I guess
1: that's what makes it still so fascinating after thousands
0: of years of chess being around. It's yeah. It's like people are still figuring out ways to crack it, dude. Like we're so good. It's so fascinating how people do this. But yeah, like you look at the world champion of like chess a hundred years ago. Yeah. And like they were so good, and like yeah. they'd beat us for you, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like no doubt. But like you know, there is a there are lots of people now who could beat them. Mm, you know mm. these super GMs. They're like so good. Like they yeah. could beat all the famous GMs from history. Mm. They just have so much knowledge about every position in the opening. Yeah, lots of middle game pattern recognition. Amazing. The internet end games. Has probably helped a lot. Yeah, totally. As well, just
1: the availability of information. Not having to like read a book in a library to yeah. find this specific move from this game. You just
0: Google it. It's also just like. I love the, like, mythologizing of people. It's, like, a thing that happens in sports all the time. And it happens in anime as well, where it's, like, this guy's the guy who does this. Right. This guy's the guy who does this. And I got really into that, especially with, like, all sorts of things. But with chess, it's really interesting to look at all the world champions and be, like, why was this guy the world champion? Or what was he most known for? Yeah. You know, like, so, Gary Kasparov, who was the world champion two world champions ago, he was known for his, like, aggressive play. And then um, Anand, who who is the world champion that Magnus took the title from, was the first world champion to really utilize computers to assist his like training for the Mm. matches and everything. Okay. Magnus is known for his end games. Yeah. He's like able to really get something out of a position that's super drawish. Like he can, he can make a win out of something that should be a draw because if he's like, so like relentlessly detailed and, Insane in the end game. Yeah. So like yeah. a lot of players just don't want to get end games against him, which is something that we wouldn't yeah. know because like we wouldn't get, we wouldn't want to play a game against him he'd destroy us. But like, yeah, yeah, you know, for other players who are really good. So it's quite interesting. And there's like this, my favorite one is this guy called um, oh my god, how am I going to forget his name right now? He's my favorite grandmaster. Oh man, he's Ukrainian. Oh my god, you got to look this up. I'm, I'm drawing a huge mental blank right now. I was like world champion. Sergei? Nah, nah, he's guy? too modern. Uh, he's so top he's, Ukrainian. Oh Mikhail trustful. Tal. Oh, okay. Mikhail Tal. He's like he was world champion briefly. And he was like and he, he was like a genius. Um yeah, this is, maybe I'm wrong, but he's not Ukrainian. Let's have a look. Where is he from? So Soviet Latvian. Uh Latvian. Yeah. Anyway, okay. so this guy, he was so 60s. cool. He yeah, he yeah. was like a big brain like uh, he did like insane positions he would do he's so good at calculating that he would do this thing like taking his opponent to the dark forest <laughs> which is essentially where he would just like play <laughs> unbelievably sharp moves like make moves that were just like crazy like you wouldn't why would anyone ever make that move and yeah. it caused the opponent to have to calculate really really deep uh, lines yeah and, like he'd make really insane positions, and he was just slightly better at calculating, and so he'd come out on top of those. Wow. So he'd really he'd complicate the position a lot. So a lot yeah. of his games are really fun to watch uh, That's cool. on YouTube and stuff. So,
1: like, he would throw in ones where it's, like, it kind of makes him second-guess, like, is he trolling almost? Like, yeah, yeah, but exactly. It's, it's,
0: but obviously, like, he's just so good that, you know, there's some rhyme and reason to it. There's also this really famous chess puzzle that somebody came up with, which is, like, diabolical, and, like, in the... Yeah, I think it was in the 70s or something. Maybe. He, he was the only person out of this room full of like super GMs to be able to solve this puzzle. And to this day, computers actually can't solve the puzzle. Oh wow. Yeah. Cause it's so, it's so like, um, insane. It involves like, I, I can't remember the exact solution, but it involves like under promoting pawns and shit like it's it's actually a really nutso thing and he actually just went for he looked at the board and went for a walk and came back and was like i have it i know it. yeah he's so it's really interesting anyway
1: that's an interesting feature of like human cognition Mm. um that may i don't know i wouldn't say surpass like a a, a computer's intelligence in it but like it's more of the generalization or like the the creative thinking side of the brain that is not explicitly tied to a rule set totally you
0: know you know uh that's exactly right actually like i have a friend who's really into well he's a like a security specialist like you know hacking everything like he's just like a real tech genius guy Mm. and and he he has really fascinating stuff that he gets into but like yeah i was talking about with him and he's like people are really scared of ai but like it can't produce anything new like it can't like Mm. ai can create really good stuff based off of things you've trained it on yeah like all this ai art stuff people are like wow artists are going to be defunct like, yeah yeah because of how good these are people are entering art competitions with them and stuff yeah but it's like well you know there has to be trained on images that exist so like yep. it cannot actually produce something it can produce something that you can think of telling it to produce mm. but like it can't create something that hasn't basically already been created Mm -hmm. you can just amalgamate stuff which is hey that that accounts for a lot of stuff yeah but yeah truly coming up with something really new or creating something it just becomes uh, we have these like really stupid wonky computers that are our brains that don't work consistently and and generate thoughts out of nothing because just because of how they work and and how we interact with the world around us so it it, i don't think that that's possible to be recreated not that it really needs to because we Mm -hmm. do it but, yeah, it's fascinating I stuff. mean,
1: I think about this a lot. I don't know if it's possible or not, but people are working on it. Yeah. You know, like generalizing computer intelligence. Um, and they, they have what, theories and ways that they think, they think they're going to be able to do it. Um, it's completely beyond me. I don't understand it. But it's it's kind of whack. Like, yeah, super whack. Yeah. <laughs> super whack. To think about, you know, I don't know, even, even the positive sides of it like let's say you have a cool robot companion you know in in every household and like Mm. it's just helping you out like you help you can create stuff with it you can jam with it you know yeah you can can write stories with it you know whatever you want
0: that could be cool you know i think it's yeah that's quite interesting no matter what we hurdle towards progress is inevitable i think that's something that's so interesting to realize yeah it's like yeah there's all this stuff that we really shouldn't do Mm. things that we're just like Boxes that should be left unopened, you know. Yeah. Doors that should just stay closed. Things that people have been warning about forever. Like, whoa we shouldn't do this. Hey, Terminator, AI apocalypse. Yeah. Shouldn't start making our own viruses. What if we accidentally make a big pandemic? Shouldn't do whatever. Shouldn't do whatever. Like, there's you know, there's a really there's an interesting podcast called The End of the World with Josh Clark, which talks about like existential threats. Mm. And there's all sorts of stuff that are just like, yeah, what if the world ended by nanobots? What if Mm. the world ended by uh, particle collision mm. Miniature black holes All this shit Where it's like Whoa People are really Dabbling in shit That could go super wrong Yeah But the thing is You can't actually stop it No Everybody knows That it'd be terrible If someone made Like a super AI yeah. Computer that just Decided to kill everybody But the fact is If it's possible To make one It will be made Because yeah. you can't Stop people from Trying to make stuff That's it And someone will do it That's it Certain people <laughs> It's like That's the thing Like everything That could be made By people Eventually will be made Yeah yeah. yeah and you know I, I
1: kind of once i have accepted that i, I take this approach of like well i'm just going to focus on all the cool stuff that's coming to totally. come out of it as well and like we're seeing so much of that like i think we live in such a, <laughs> it a really great is. age
0: it really is kind of like actually if you think about it all we can do is if it was like we we're going to get killed by a big ai thing all we could pro- hope to do is stave it off a little bit yeah that's yeah. the thing it's inevitable everything is inevitable so yeah yeah for me it's just like well you gotta hey maybe we maybe we are the generation that gets killed by robots maybe but maybe it's, we're not so you have a good time and maybe we yeah. get some really good like hentai vr <coughs> that's before right that yeah happens, exactly and we're like we don't and care at least we'll die happy yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're like
1: you know drugged up with you know heroin 24 7 what a way to no go side effects
0: yeah what a way to go you Perfect. know Absolutely Ultimately, well yeah. If life is just if the aim of life is just to experience as much as possible, we're we're born at a good time. That's it. We will experience a lot.
1: And experience a lot of good chess to come. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, this has been awesome, man. Um actually really cool topic to 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 dive into and I'm glad you've been following it as much as I have. Yeah. Because I've been dying to talk about it. Yeah, man. Hell Um, yeah. So yeah, man, we should definitely do this again sometime. Hell yeah! Hey, maybe my maybe I'll even bring in my foil ball. Oh yeah, we can compare foils. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll I'll do it as well. See how some of techniques. You can get it. Yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah. Hell we yeah. can weigh them. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> oh
0: yeah, hell yeah, that'd be. Well, we measure the volume and the and the density. Of course. <laughs> See how who's got the most dense foil ball. Nice. That's that's a real. That's a tale. big flex. Yeah, yeah. Big dense energy. <laughs> hell yeah! Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Cheers.